Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. So today's guest is someone that I am so excited for you to hear from, and that's Alexi Pappas. An Olympic runner, actor, writer, and filmmaker, Alexi has done and created so many incredible things. In 2016, Alexi co-wrote, co-directed, and starred in the feature film Track Town, and her film Olympic Dreams, which she co-created and stars in, premiered at South by Southwest in 2019. And after having competed in the Rio Olympics in 2016, Alexi is now preparing for the Olympics in Tokyo happening this summer. Her new memoir, Bravey, Chasing Dreams, Befriending Pain, and Other Big Ideas, is out now, and I could not recommend this book enough. In Bravey, Alexi shares her real-life stories and experiences as an athlete, daughter, partner, and human. She shares lessons she's learned on resilience, handling pain and mental health, and how to go about pursuing your goals and aspirations. With a foreword written by actress and comedian Maya Rudolph, Bravey is the perfect book to read if you're trying to deal with life's obstacles. I can't wait for you to hear from Alexi and learn more about the book. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, Alexi Pappas, you're an Olympic athlete competing for Greece in the 2016 Olympics in Rio, and you're the Greek national record holder in the 10,000 meters. You're also a filmmaker and an actor, and now you're an author. You're wearing all the hats now. How does it feel? It feels um, super exciting. I think, you know, particularly with the book, I feel like it's something where I know like I did my absolute best and that's always a good feeling. Like no matter what we're doing in life, I think we just want to feel like we tried our best and I truly feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it feels good. That's a nice feeling, you know, for sure. And yeah, you wrote, so your new memoir, Bravey, chasing dreams, befriending pain and other big ideas is out now. And before we get into talking about the book and the big, you know, nitty gritty parts of it, Would you mind introducing individuals who don't know about your career, where you're from, and how you sort of got into running? Yes. So my name is Alexi, and I am an Olympian in the 10,000 meters. And I am also, I'm an actress and a filmmaker, and I've made two feature films, one called Track Town, and the other more recently was Olympic Dreams, which was the first um, narrative feature shot inside of an Olympic village and we made it with Nick Kroll and it premiered at South by Southwest and my running career you know it really took off in the end of college uh, I, I went to school on the east coast at Dartmouth and I think my Olympic dream even though like many kids I, I wanted to be an Olympian I think it didn't feel very possible to me until you know towards the end of college there um, when I decided to pursue that. And, uh, it's been wonderful. And I think both, both careers have really supported each other and felt, um, like the greatest manifestation of myself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you have such an amazing career. I loved reading about to your upbringing and how you learned how to be courageous and brave through that. So if you would, would you mind explaining to readers what bravey is to you? Yeah. So, okay, the word bravey came from a poem that I wrote, which was run like a bravey, sleep like a baby, dream like a crazy, replace can't with maybe. And I think that poem really stuck, or that word bravey rather, the word bravey really stuck because there are so many words that we chase that are very outward facing, like pretty and strong and fast and, you know, any number of words. And those really feel like those are our relationship with the world. But bravey felt like more of a choice and like a relationship we have with ourselves. And so that, um, that is what, you know, I think bravey means to me. It's very, you know, it's a choice we make. And I think that's empowering because so many of those other words feel like they're out of our hands or they're things that other people have to assign us, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think too, what you just said there when you were talking about your poem, replacing can't with maybe is such an important thing. I think right now, especially in this 2020, 2021 phase we're in, where just the world seems like it's so far out of our control and it's so hard to plan things and you know, commit to ourselves and our goals and our ambitions, you know, don't write it off and say, oh, you can't do it. Maybe you'll do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And there, I think so many, it's easy for us to find the, the, the first, or it's easy for us to find reasons why our dreams might not be possible. And I think that oftentimes that's the, that can be a limiting factor, right? When mm -hmm. we find reasons why something might've been impossible, um, when really like hurdles and challenges, I hope are, are just hurdles and challenges. They're not walls, you know, right. we hope. Exactly. And you know, another thing you talk about too in the book is when it comes to our goals, I feel like as a society and just as individuals, we live in a world where we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. Um, we do it with so many things, but with our goals and aspirations, especially. And you said you had a learning experience for yourself where you realized as an athlete, especially, you can't compare your success to others and your failures to others. Um, you really have to learn to separate the two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think where, where I learned that first was actually like in the middle of a race, because I remember I was racing this girl, several girls, but one of them was like this Olympian. And this was before I made it to the Olympics myself. And I was like, man, she, you know, we were going fast in this race and I was feeling pain. And I was like, she doesn't seem to be showing any kind of pain. And I just assumed she wasn't in pain. And then in the next minute, she was like out the back and, you know, was out of the race entirely. And then I realized that I can't assume that anybody's experiencing any less pain than me or more pain than like, I just need to stop, you know, comparing myself to these other people and just assume that running is hard for everyone. And I think when we look at the way we compare ourselves to other people in like a, a bigger lens in, in, you know, in life, um, it can be similar where to assume 
first of all, it's not useful, right? Because we're always stuck with ourselves. We are going to be us. And it's always worthy to like do our very best, no matter what anyone else's best is. But also like, we just can't assume anything of anybody else. And we just have to assume that everybody's trying their best and that, you know, if we keep improving based on our own last, you know, moment, that's what life is, I think, you know? Right. Well, and I think with success, obviously comes anxiety. And in this book, the thing I love about Bravey is that you address mental health in a very direct way, um, not just in society, but in sports in general. Um, if you wouldn't mind sort of, I guess, introducing people to your journey with that and how you really learned to look at life differently and seek the help that you needed and that you wanted. Yeah. Well, so I truthfully did not know like how to handle a depression should it have ever come upon me, which it did after the Olympics. And I think for me, my understanding of the world was through this lens of seeing my mom get sick when I was little and she had bipolar um, manic depression and she took her own life when I was almost five. And what like the narrative I was fed was that she was just so sick that she had to go. And that was so sad to me because it meant to me that if it ever happened to me, like if I ever felt the way she felt that I, that there would be no solution either. And so when I did feel these, like this terrible feeling, I didn't understand it as I, I really like rejected it because I was like, I do not want to be like her. And I, I tried to just manage it all by myself because I thought it was like my fault. And what I learned the hard way after my dad made me get help was that I was just, you know, injured in, in a way that, you know, you can get injured with your you fall down and injure your leg. You can also have an injury to your brain. And that's like what mental illness is. And I think for me, the biggest life changer was seeing it as an injury rather than like a choice or any other number of modifiers you might think about when you think about depression. And once I saw it as an injury, I felt one, like it was okay. Like I, you know, it was, you know, it was okay to share and get help as we might with an injury that it wasn't going to heal overnight and that it could heal. And I think that was the biggest thing was that I felt suddenly like I could heal. And that's the biggest, I think, um, journey that will go. That's one of the biggest parts of the book is just understanding that process of, of like developing a new vocabulary and really understanding our whole life as a more, um, about the way we see it. Then it's not just about our experiences. It's about the way we approach and respond to them. And for me, that shift in vocabulary was so huge. It saved my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I can imagine as an athlete, it's difficult and I'm not an athlete at all. <laughs> played sports in high school, but aside from that, um, I don't know much about everything that goes into a sport, but I think just from an outsider's perspective, when you look at just physical injuries alone, like CTE, for example, Mm -hmm. conversations. I mean, now I guess a little bit is being done and said about it, but even like physical injury isn't being talked about. So it's even more frustrating when mental injuries aren't even talked about. 
Yeah, I mean, I think where like athletes are more open about their physical injuries or or that like even if they don't share it with the whole world, that's mm-hmm. okay as long as they feel like they have a team that they can share it with. So like I think when an athlete gets injured, their coach is going to know, their team is probably going to know and then they know that they can go and get help from these resources that they know exist. And then they do it. And I think it's such a quick switch in the mind for an athlete from like my goal is performance and fitness to my goal is health. And it's like the smartest athletes make that switch immediately when you get injured. Mm -hmm. But with mental health, I honestly think the hardest part is that even if like, we don't need to tell the whole world about every injury, mental or physical, but somebody needs to know like the right people, the core team. And that, that is the case I think with physical injuries and it's not the case with mental health injuries. And um, there's also not that like, awareness of even where to go. Whereas with physical injuries, we're inundated with resources. I feel like there's you, there's so many physios now, which is great, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's not as much awareness of what to do with that, you know, brain, brain sprain, if you will. Sure. And I think you even talk about that and I'm going to be sure to link that in this episode description, um, a New York times op-ed piece, uh, that you recently did. And you said in that, something along the lines, like, you know, if athletes were to treat their mental injuries the same way they do their physical ones, you know, conversations would be so different and, you know, outcomes would be so different. Um, and I can imagine even just while reading, uh, reading Bravey, it sort of occurred to me how perhaps frustrating it might be because when I think of sports for me growing up and a lot of people here, you know, you work out, you exercise to, you know, relieve stress and sort of use that as a way to escape from your job, your, you know, problems going on in life. But it must be difficult when your job and your life is that sport. Do you feel like right. there becomes, you know, a difficult blurred line? Well, it's super hard when your body is your, is your job because that is like, it's, it, it means you feel this tremendous responsibility all the time. And there's no, there's like very little room for error because if you, you know, don't sleep enough or you don't eat the right things or you overtrain or under prepare, you know, anything like that, which could occur in other times in your life besides when you're training, um, feel like they play into your livelihood. And that's like, it is a lot of pressure. And it's why I think most sports are like lifestyles. They're not just sports. And so you're kind of choosing like a whole lifestyle. And if it feels like, like, like you're thriving within that lifestyle, then it's a really positive thing. So like, if you enjoy all the things that go into the lifestyle of, let's say, training for the Olympics and running, then you're going to feel joyful and you're going to feel like it's all positive, which I I have enjoyed that lifestyle. But if it feels like it's like at odds with anything, whether like your, your circumstances don't dictate that you can do all the things that it takes or whatever other um, reasons, then it is a lot of it feels challenging because it, it is a lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be hard for athletes to have value, to feel valued if they, let's say, 
get injured, right? Because that's just, you can't do your job in the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think even with uh, Track Town, your film Track Town, your character Plum, there's a moment there where, you know, trainer or doctor tells her, you literally cannot run or you're going to just destroy your body. And she wants to, she wants to keep running, even though she's not supposed to, even though she knows it's going to probably just kill her body. But, and I I just saw such a parallel with that when you think just individuals in general, you know, in a pre-COVID world, and I guess even in a COVID world, you know, if you're sick, people still want to show up to work. People yeah, still there's like wanna... a compulsion to, yeah. well, because it's so comforting to have that routine. And I think with running, there is something comforting about being like, I like place my self-worth and my, uh, you know, joy for this day or satisfaction for this day in hitting this mileage, for example. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to like orient ourselves in the world if those expectations for what our standard you know of, of a day is get shifted right um yeah and, and that's I, just maturity I think it's maturity right definitely definitely and I think also it's just you know we we react that way because I feel like society we we pressure ourselves and you know we feel that we need to show up when in actuality and I hope that this pandemic with you know, all the sickness and people needing to take time for themselves. I hope people start to realize that we do have to slow down. We do have to take those days off and really heal and focus on ourselves because it's so important. Yeah. I will say like, I've been better and worse at that in different moments. Like I think the major thing that like led to this post-Olympic depression was like simply not respecting the extreme emotional and adrenal fatigue associated with like chasing and accomplishing any dream, like any dream, like any, any goal that we have, there's some sort of like moment after. And I'm learning how to try to respect that, like come down, if you will, because what I did was I tried to like keep going and Mm -hmm. not to pause. And it was really, you know, devastating because it just led my brain to like be overloaded and become depressed, which is like an actual, you know, I think it's like a, an alter, you know, it's like your chemical, you need to recover and and pause. So you're totally right that it's, uh, it's hard to recognize that particularly if we don't have the expectation that we'll need that. So I think that was, that's another thing is like, just this conversation is useful because then maybe someone listening is like, Oh, it's okay. Like I have this big thing coming up maybe the day after or the week (laughs) after whatever it is, I should just pause or like, let it absorb, you know? Well, cause like you brought up just then, you know, depression hit you. It's sort of your all time high. You know, yeah, you were achieving yeah. so many things, uh, the Olympics, your film, and then it hit you at a moment when you probably wouldn't have expected it to hit you at all. And totally. I think that's, you know, that's something to sort of learn from to sort of after we achieve those heights, like you said, take time to just reevaluate, slow down, breathe. Exactly. And it, it hits us in those heights because we, um, we've anticipated them for so long and we've put in like an intangible energy into it that like we can't quantify. Like it's not the same as like 
being starved after a marathon and needing to refuel. Like this is like a hunger that is hard to like pinpoint. And it's one that is just, it's adrenal fatigue, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you like achieve the dream or not, it's all that buildup. I mean, you know, to give you an example, I remember one time I had this race in Southern California when I was in living in Oregon and we all like flew there and it was like a big race and it got rained out. Like we couldn't, like we warmed up for the race and then it was just so torrentially pouring that we couldn't run the race. And my coach, I, I knew that some athletes were like doing workouts after the race, like at their hotels at like 10 o'clock at night. And I asked my coach if I should do that. And he was like, no, you already like ran the race. Like you're fine. And I didn't run the race, but what he was saying was that I went through the whole build up the warm up like i got the adrenal fatigue associated with racing and it was good enough like i was going to get something out of it and and so he was basically saying like let's let's not push this you know right yeah never especially with sports especially with sports don't push yourself too hard um but yeah so i'm curious to know what your biggest takeaway from writing brady was um uh, and i guess for me from reading it I think how you sort of end the book by, you know, saying how it takes bravery to stay on your course and stay on your path. And, you know, you're going to face challenges along the way, but that's okay. And that's, it struck me so because that's sort of why I came up with handling it um, about a year ago is because I sort of had this, you know, realization that there's no right or wrong way to go about your life. Um, we're gonna come across challenges. Like it's just gonna happen. And I think you just have to remember to handle it and know that everybody's gonna go about it differently. And like I said, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, just know that like what you're doing is the best you can do and, you know, leave it at that. Yeah, it's that's a kind way of looking at it because it means that like you're accepting that you only know what you know in any moment and um, and it's okay that like, whatever our try, try hardest today is won't be the same as like, in five years from now, because we'll have such a wealth of knowledge, and we'll know more. But that doesn't mean that like, our tribe our trying best today isn't like, worthy of our, you know, emotional, uh, proud, it, it deserves to be like, good enough, you know, yeah. and um, it is, it is hard sometimes, or what's interesting, you were asking about the book is like writing it um, meant reflecting on choices that I made that like led me to where I am today. I'm proud of them. I think I would have made most of the same decisions, but of course I'm like a different person. The person who wrote it is different than the person who experienced all those things. Mm -hmm. And so there is some element of like, it was the best that I could do at the time but there were like lessons to be learned the hard way, but that's okay. Um, so I like that. And what I also like about the idea of handling it is that it seems very action oriented where, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most life-changing things I learned, which I know you read in Bravey is that, um, that this life-changing fact that actions change first, then thoughts, then feelings in that order and for me, that was 
really helpful because my feelings were crappy, right? And I needed to focus on something that could help shift my feelings besides forcing the feelings. And I think that idea of handling it, you know, goes very hand in hand with just like keep putting your foot in front of the other, or like finding the actions and trust that the the thoughts and the feelings will come, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for everyone to read Bravey. I loved it so much. Loved your poems also throughout it, which was great. And uh, Maya Rudolph also did the foreword, which love yeah. her. And I loved your story that you shared with how you met her. Um, I think it's always great and interesting to see how people, you know, come into people's lives at a certain point. And it's, you know, always so inspiring. So I can't wait for people to read it. Um, before we go, what are you working on now? Because the Olympics, yeah. <laughs> it's a mess there. Well, so I think all of us like Olympic hopefuls mm-hmm. are still looking at Tokyo and right. we're patiently understanding that like some things are in our control and some aren't. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and then I'm working on a television show that's really exciting and fun relating to the Olympics and then a movie that has nothing to do with the Olympics or sports. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I'm speaking at South by Southwest in March. So there's a few things upcoming and it feels like more of the same, but like the, the next evolution of it all, you know? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. I love that so many people are just creating during this time. I think we have, you know, the opportunity to with this extra time on our hands. And I just can't wait to see what all is going to happen like down the road. Um, And yeah, that's amazing. A TV show, movie, you're going to be busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all about, I think, and to your point about handling it, it's like, I think we have a choice to make any circumstance or turn of event in our favor if we just are determined to um, like figure out what we can do during this time. Like there are things we can't do and that's okay. That is what it is, but we can do X, Y, Z, you know, and that's that. Well, yeah, that brings me to, I guess my final point here, because I always like to ask with this being handling it through your experiences and your career as an athlete, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that's really helped you handle your life? Um, yeah, I think that, that idea of actions change first, then thoughts and feelings. I think that's one. There's a few other like specific ones that I, that I'll leave for the book that have been life changing, but I think that's a really good one because that means that, you know, if we're having like a day that we would rather feel a certain other way. I think to tell ourselves how to feel is, is not useful. Like we can't force that, but to focus on what actions might eventually lead us out of that feeling, that tough feeling is, is useful. And we can always take action. And sometimes that action to your point is rest, like is no action, but that's still an action. It's you're making a choice to do something. Mm -hmm even if yeah. it's to do nothing, <laughs> <laughs> which we do need, like, despite there being not a ton to do, you know, at the moment in the world, 
uh, we do need time to just do nothing and have a day to just relax, you know, put on some TV and just hang out. But yeah, Alexi, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I can't wait for everyone to read Brady. I'll be yes. linking everything in the episode description. So yeah, can't wait. Thank you so much for reading and for having me. I am super grateful. All right, guys, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Alexi. I personally felt so energized after that conversation. Listening to Alexi talk about ways to deal with our anxieties and pressures, but also our goals was super inspiring. So if you want to purchase Bravey, and I highly recommend that you do because it is such an incredible read. I'm leaving a link in the episode description so you can go check it out. Thank you to Alexi so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.